and welcome to the Kryptonite Podcast. I am Mark Storrs, and with me as always is... Chris Gronstein. And... Rob Morphy. Thank you for joining us. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated for this podcast. You can do that on the iTunes and Apple Podcast apps. Leave us a five-star review. That would be very awesome of you, and we'd be very appreciative of it. Every yeah. single time. Yeah. Social medias, Instagrams, Twitters, and Facebooks. Uh, hit us up there. Come hang out. Say what's up. Shoot us some DMs. We love hearing from our good listeners. Truly. We appreciate the support, as always. Uh, this week, kind of fun. We're sticking in France. It's we, true. We were there. We've we're been going, there recently. We were there. We were there. We're going back. Have so, any of us actually been to France? No. No. Briefly. You were? I I can narrowly call it this because I was riding uh, a train, I guess, between Germany and, oh, fuck all knows where, maybe Switzerland or somewhere, Austria, and uh, I went through a corner of France. Cool. So I will not <laughs> okay. say no, I've been to France. You drove through it. But have well, I geographically... Road flown through in the fucking bullet train yeah all right nice but <laughs> did i get to explore any of these wonderful uh alien mysteries i've not but france is fucking riddled with some of the most spectacular close encounters of the third kind and some of the most famous uh and impressive ufologists ever jacques valley oh, yeah? the list goes yeah. on and on nice. so france is really a fucking hotbed for ufology so this week we were talking about the dragon we entities if the French New Wave maestro Jean-Luc Godard had decided to film a neo-realist sci-fi interpretation of a Hardy Boys mystery, it could have been no more thought-provoking, surreal, or disconcerting than the actual events that purportedly befell a group of unsuspecting French youths in the autumn of 1973. Jeez. Indeed, it could not have. All right. so, wow. Good Lord knows, as the cinephile I am, I would love... If Jean-Luc Godard had attempted to do just such. Okay. He did not, however, but we still have this story. All right. Let's do it up, Robert. Positioned in the southeastern corner of France, the city of Draguignan rests in the shadow of Les Melmont, which literally translates, I swear to God, to Evil Mountain. Oh, oh my cool. God. Yes. It's, I mean, Evil Mountain. It's pretty Why dope. not? The name of the city itself has an ominous origin as Draguignan was derived from Draconum, the Latin name for dragon, after, according to legend, a bishop named St. Hermantere slayed a reptilian beast, thereby saving the local populace. Well, oh, shit. Right, this place is pretty metal. I think he was probably made a saint after he slayed the dragon. I don't well, think he was a saint, went down, slayed the dragon. I think that accomplishment... Garnered uh, him yeah, that that's awesome part of the, status, yeah, yeah, that's part kind of, the of like you know Saint George, right? Yeah. But, um, but so we've got dragons and an evil mountain. We already know this place is fucking. Oh, it's a rhapsody album. Wound for sound, <laughs> it really is. This is a total rhapsody of fire record. Nowadays, the remote community of Dragonyaw is known for its various vineyards, rugged hills, and a five thousand year old monolithic Stonehenge like structure known as Pierre de la Fay. But in the fall of 1973, it was also notorious for being the site of one of the strangest close encounters to have ever taken place on European soil, or anywhere else for that matter. At about 8.30 p.m. on Friday, October 19th, 1973, a young man named Gabriel Demogue, I'm going to, of course, I'm going to say this, I always say it, I'm going to ruin all French names, just okay. so everyone knows. And his unidentified girlfriend felt the salty sea wind whip against their faces as he cranked the gas on his motorcycle, roaring up the hilly, narrow, thicket-lined path that cut its way up the nearly 2,000-foot granite face of Les Melmont toward a secluded plateau that was known to be a haven 
for young lovers. Oh, oh no. See? Little hanky panky. He's not going to the dump like oh, we would. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, this isn't upstate New York, my friends. <laughs> we are in France. <laughs> nice. Oh, this is, is that their bull point? <laughs> totally. That's where you go to have bull point time. <laughs> the plateau was a scenic overlook with a stunning panoramic view of the entire region extending all the way to the deep blue hues of the Mediterranean. The rectangular lookout was surrounded by hedges and a low wall. It also had a built-in table and a pair of benches to let spectators enjoy the spectacular view. Gabriel's Inamorata snuggled in closer and tightened her grip around his torso in anticipation of the romantic evening to come. She couldn't possibly have anticipated that the trajectory of the evening, at least for Gabriel, would not be toward passion, but abject terror. Oh, this is the well, second best thing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it really, I mean, Passion, abject terror. Yeah. There you go. When the couple was only half a mile away from the overlook, the smitten girl suddenly noticed a vivid orange-yellow ball in the sky above them. The luminous object was roughly the size of a melon. Now, oh. <laughs> they say this, and I assume it could be a cantaloupe, it could be a watermelon. I'm not sure what melon, but I also think it's probably distance playing hell. A perspective. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's roughly the size of a melon and surrounded by a lighter colored halo that appeared to be revolving around it. Which I think reminds me a little bit of the thing that was seen floating around Cisco Grove. But I could be wrong about that. Where there was a small orbiting thing. I sort of remember that. But I could I haven't, be totally off base I haven't heard this. that episode in a while. There are so. so many different close encounters. I could be just right. cross, crossing the streams. Weirder still, the strange UFO seemed to be traveling on the same course as the motorcycle and heading toward the top of the mountain. The thing was soaring in an easterly direction just over the tree line and was less than 2,000 feet away from the cycling couple. At that moment, Gabriel noticed the radiant orange orb and stopped his bike, killing the engine. It was then that the duo noted that the UFO was utterly silent. They stared in astonishment as the aerial anomaly flew up the southern face of the mountain and disappeared beyond the crest, apparently landing and emitting a reddish glow that was clearly visible through the trees. That reminds me a little bit of Flatwoods. A little the bit, pulsating, yeah. oh, even though this oh, isn't yeah. pulsating, this is like a steady red glow right. through the, you can just see the silhouetted, gnarly autumnal branches mm -hmm. and the red light just beaming through. Like Steve McQueen in The Blob, Gabriel was eager to get to the peak of the evil mountain to see exactly what had landed there. But his girlfriend was too terrified, or maybe level-headed, to continue this trek into the unknown, and she insisted that he bring her home. Gabriel complied, then quickly set out to find a more adventurous group to accompany him back up the mountain. So he dropped his girlfriend off, and then was like, all right, guys, we're going to... Find the ship. I mean, it's seventy three. Uh, yeah, pretty it's much. a bunch of. I mean, I don't know if they're like in their teens or early twenties, but right. they were. It was indicated that they were young. Okay. So they're just a bunch of young men dicking around, killing time. Mm. Hence the reference to the neo-realist films of Jean-Luc Godard, like Breathless, and all those people that were just talking about the listless French youth that were the first generation born post World War II. Um, yes, those people that those I know people so that, well, well you yes. were, if you were a fan of French New Wave cinema, nah, as sorry. I know you are I, in your heart, I am. Regardless. Is Blade Runner French New Wave cinema? It is not, but it was slightly influenced okay. by Okay. All right. Well, that's what I think of when I think of French New Wave cinema, even though it's not French New Wave I have no cinema. idea why. I don't know, because it looks cool. Yeah, There's it, no context just, for that. Though. I don't know. Make stuff up. Fucking Google <laughs> yeah. it. Fifth Element? Is that one? No. All right. Uh, I mean, it was made by a French guy, but it's not fucking New what? Wave at all. Okay. Cocoon? It's certainly not neorealist. In fact, <laughs> we're, we're just talking about movies, Fifth right? Element is the exact opposite of neorealism, and Cocoon... 
It's just a gem. Beverly Hills Cop. A little heartwarming. Oh, I love Beverly Hills Cop. That could be... S- Batteries not included? Sur- neo-surrealism. Okay. Ice Pirates, my favorite. All right, fuck it. Can we please get All back? Right, I'm sorry. None of the Bluff okay. Farmers. Okay. okay. <laughs> 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 oh, God. Crawl. Gabriel dropped off his girlfriend and went to find his fucking posse. To, All right. to yeah, say, d- deal listen, with this. We, right. need to, we need to fucking check this, out. check this out. It's a meteor. We can get money. The moment he dropped his girlfriend home, Gabriel tracked down a group of buddies and told them of what he had seen. The group consisted of Elaine Lecca, Georges McCret, and Christian Bensa. It didn't take long for Gabriel to convince this intrepid trio to accompany him back up Mount Evil to find the source of the strange light. Gabriel abandoned his motorcycle and climbed into Elaine's R8 which I assume is a French type of car. Okay. That's how it was referred to. While Christian grabbed shotgun in George's Fiat 128. Within seconds, the foursome were barreling toward the mountain and, much to their eternal chagrin, into one of the weirdest chapters in the history of ufology. Within minutes, the group reached the panorama overlook, where the drivers of both cars sagely maneuvered the vehicles so that they were facing back toward the narrow road they had just ascended in case circumstances might create the need for an abrupt descent. Their instincts would serve them well. Foreshadowing. Indeed. The drivers killed their engines, and all four men gathered at the panorama table, waiting for their eyes to adjust to the darkness. As soon as the assembled posse exited the cars, they spied a diffuse white glow coming from the apex of the Melmont, or Le Melmont, some 260 feet above them. So, this is not a mistake on my part. It was red when it initially landed. It is now white. Okay. The men also heard peculiar noises, which which they indicated sounded vaguely like radio interference combined with a modulated whistle. I can't even really wrap my head around this, but the investigators on the case uh, sort of went out of their way to say that that was the best estimation the men could make. It was very hard. Like they had a hard time nailing the sound, just this weird future fucking slide whistle combined with, I guess, bursts of radio static. It's, It's strange. Weird. These sounds were emanating from the direction of the bright object. With the strange sounds and unidentified luminous thing in the distance, it's easy to imagine the excitement that must have been coursing through these young men's veins at the prospect of telling their friends about this unique experience. Little could they have expected that their thrilling interlude with the unknown was about to take a turn toward the terrifying. It was Georges who first realized something was amiss when, while leaning against the table, the slab below his palms suddenly became excruciatingly hot. He lunged back, and he and the rest of the group felt an oppressive wave of heat pass through them. Hmm. That's not something you want. Okay. That's just not something you need. Hot hands. Fucking... Oh, no. That, that kind of like... You know what I imagine? It's like when uh, like a gust of wind hits on like a mid-August day, and you're standing next to like oh, black yeah. top. Oh, right? yeah. And you get that hot asphalt fucking yeah. billowing right the at hot you. hot ass wind. And you're just like, fuck. Yep. That's not fun. The astonished men glanced at one another in utter bewilderment, and that was when one of them noticed a red light swiftly descending the stone-covered path that led from the glowing summit to the plateau they were occupying. The red radiance was accompanied by the sounds of rocks crunching and pebbles falling as if something extremely heavy were making its way down the trail. The four frightened friends dove for cover. Gabriel, Georges, and Christian took shelter behind the wall situated around the overlook, while Elaine took refuge where he stood by laying down across one of the b- benches that was adjacent to the table. 
As the light got closer, the volume of the odd staticky screech also increased. So this weird modulated whistle radio interference mm. sound was getting louder as the light approached. The men stared in silent horror as the red light emerged from the footpath, revealing that the glow was wedged into the torso at about waist level of a dark silhouette, which they estimated to be about nine feet in height. The massive, vaguely humanoid form appeared to be not only taller and wider than the average human, but also had what seemed to be a flat-topped head or helmet with no apparent neck. Is this Krang? So it's fucking super Krang. It's Krang, yeah. The bulky being made its way into the clearing, employing jerky, almost robotic movements until it was about 80 feet from the eyewitnesses and nearly 65 feet away from Elaine's vehicle. Despite the distance, one thing was clear to the stunned observers. If they wanted to make it to the cars from their hiding spots, they'd have to figure a way to get past the colossal creature with the crimson belt buckle. Elaine, the closest of the four, inaudibly indicated that his friend should remain concealed behind the wall, and the crew watched as the being stopped its approach and bent over as though picking something up. The automaton-like entity remained in this bent position for over 30 seconds before it suddenly straightened up. It was then that things got even scarier as the inscrutable individual seemed to sense that it was being watched. Mm, Not good. No, never good. Without warning, both the scarlet radiance and the unearthly electronic whistling were abruptly extinguished, immersing the already frightened men in a sea of silent darkness. Within a few seconds, the stillness was broken by the sounds of snapping branches, then, in the little light provided by the moon, they saw Elaine's car being shaken violently by the odd entity. So uh, I guess it, it doesn't like the R8. It's like a space Frankenstein. It's it is. It really is. Yeah. With a sweet glowing belt buckle. There you go. The apparent assault on the R8 would prove to be the final straw, and panic began to set in on the makeshift paranormal posse, particularly those situated behind the wall. Elaine, who had managed to keep the coolest head, realized that his friends had reached their breaking point and began to motion to them that the time had come for them to make their escape. Georges and Christian made a mad dash for the Fiat, The pair had already agreed that if the vehicle refused to start, they would scamper down a nearby ravine and hide behind the bushes. Luck, however, was with them, and the engine started without a hitch. The duo flew down the hill like bats out of hell, leaving Gabriel, Elaine, and the lumbering thing in their proverbial and literal dust. But if they assumed that their ordeal was over, they would be in for a rude awakening. But more on that in a moment. For now, let's remain at the Overlook with Elaine and Gabriel. So they bailed on Elaine and Gabriel. They just took off. They were like, uh-huh. fuck all this. Did they tell Elaine, I mean, is it like a two-door, is it a Fiat? I don't, I've never seen one. Is it a two-door car or I something? I have no idea. I literally have no idea I don't what know. Well, there are all these kinds of versions like. now. I mean, there's got to uh, be room. I mean, unless it's... Is they're like not a, big cars. Is it like a smart car or something? Like, Well, not in no. 73. Well, I mean, obviously not in 73, but is it the size of a smart car? You mean tiny? No, they're bigger than yeah. that, but... I, I mean, they're, they're. I mean, I mean, a lot of European cars of this era were compact. Right. It would have been an easy Google for me. Probably. I did not do it. Yeah. Okay. Even I the Fiat's now are, are not big. I think Elaine did not want to leave his car behind, and so I think they put in their heads. Right. We will return in the cars we came up in for whatever right. reason. Well, it's suspect to leave Elaine and Gabriel there. Well, yeah, that's a little shitty, but yeah. you know, terror is as terror does. All right. Well, I wouldn't leave you guys anywhere. Well, I appreciate Even that. Even if you did dump out my coffee, I wouldn't leave you anywhere. Oh my God. Continue. Stop. <laughs> Tiny gun. This is for Chris. <laughs> Tiny gun. Tiny gun. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fuckers. <laughs> Don't get the big gun. Oh, God damn it. Gabriel, who had shot out from behind the wall hot on the heels of Georges and Christian, made a beeline for the R8 with Elaine right behind him. They were relieved that the mastodonic menace seemed to have stopped jarring the vehicle, but just as they were about to throw the doors open, a powerful beam of blinding white light shot down from the mountaintop, bathing the duo in its arresting glare. Is it Jesus? It probably is okay, Jesus. Just yeah. checking. Or it might be the UFO. <laughs> it's one of the two. At this point, it could be hell or space. Indeed. There you go. Gabriel and Elaine flung themselves flat onto the ground next to the car, convinced that they were being targeted by some sort of extraterrestrial beam weapon. After a few seconds, however, the light was extinguished and the pair pulled themselves up and entered the vehicle post-haste. Elaine stuck his key in the ignition, but in a tradition long established by horror cinema, the engine refused to start. At this point, Gabriel had all been but reduced to a blubbering mess, but Elaine kept his composure, got out of the car, and gave it a shove to start it rolling down the hill. Okay. Not a bad move. No, smart. Yeah, put it in neutral. I like that he's keeping his his wits about him. Yeah. Elaine is like the go-to at this point. Yeah. Elaine jumped back into the moving vehicle, gave the key a second crank, and the engine roared to life. But after driving less than 10 feet, he slowed to a stop and glanced behind him. The petrified Gabriel also looked back, and in the crimson glow of the brake lights, the duo saw the first entity coming down the path behind them, followed by a second identical creature and a third that appeared to be slightly smaller, though no less intimidating than the first two. Dude, we got a trio? Got a trio. In the cherry red glare of the R8's brake lights, the young men were able to get their first detailed look at their pursuers. Elaine would later tell investigators that the first two resembled mammoth mechanized men that appeared to be almost 10 feet tall with square heads complete with two luminous rectangular apertures at the level of the eyes. Interesting. So eye holes or... Rectangle eyes. Robot eyes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. The smallest of the threesome stood in excess of six feet and looked as if it was wearing a type of gas mask with a tube that connected to its chest. Unlike the other two, its head was rounded and it had no apparent eyes. The breathing apparatus appeared to be enclosed by a flowing material that was described as a mobile veil, which is mean? a fucking weird mobile thing. I think veil. it just means that it's like dangly fabric. You know what? You know what? Who is... Um, the, the sound engineer in Space Goes Coast to Coast. Not Zorak, not Brack. Uh, Motar? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Moltar. I imagine a thing like that. Right. The rounded the head. veil. But like, just like billowy fabric, but a big giant elephantine trunk-like tube coming right. out that just loops around and connects right to the chest. Okay. At least that's what the eyewitness illustration This kind of reminds me like. of, um, this sort of reminds me of uh, what the hell is the one with the, ro- the the two robots and then the alien things and they chase the guy up a tree? Cisco Grove. Cisco Grove. Yeah, kind of oh. reminds me of Cisco Grove. Yeah, indeed. I in fact I make a reference okay. to that a little bit later. In fact, very soon. But you're right. A gas mask wearing humanoid. Yeah. Oh, with, yeah. a, with a couple of robots. Yeah. Is a hundred percent fucking Cisco Grove. Totally Cisco Grove. Which makes you wonder because well we'll talk about that. In a oh, second. Okay. The enigmatic entities. There it is. You're all welcome. Yeah. All appeared. In, that's in case you're playing the drinking game. All appeared to be wearing red one-piece suits with lights inserted in the ventral or abdominal region. Elaine would later admit that he was unsure whether or not the suits were actually red or simply looked that way in the reflection of the brake lights. Reasonable. Fair enough. Could have been right. silver, metallic, Science. Could have been something yeah. reflect. 
Both Elaine and Gabriel agreed that the creature's gait seemed to be methodical almost to the point of being mechanical, but they could not be sure if it meant that the beings were clad in protective suits that, not unlike astronauts, inhibited their movements, or if they were actual automatons. Okay. It's worth noting, and this is where Cisco Grove comes in, that this was not the first time that a pair of outsized robots were reported in the company of a smaller gas mask clad creature. Just nine years before, on September 4th, 1964, a bow hunter named Donald Trump claimed to have been attacked by just such entities in a remote region of California known as Cisco Grove. I can't help but think we might be talking about... There's a tie together there yeah i mean it's Ooh. not i mean a lot of the especially the the cases we talk about are unique one and done strange things be it cryptozoological you right. know close encounter wise um but it's maybe it's not just grays making repeat visits right maybe georgia stalks made a couple other visits but people just didn't want to talk about it before they fucking died of atomic brain cancer so you know it's interesting not verifiable in any way, right. but interesting. There's a there's a thread. So let's get back to the scene on the road. Elaine right. had stopped the car. The enormous entities were less than 20 feet from Elaine's vehicle and appeared to be closing in quickly when they abruptly stopped in their tracks. Compelled more by curiosity than concern, Elaine did what most would consider unthinkable. He put his car into reverse and went back until he had cut the distance between themselves and their trackers in half. Wow. Kyle. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't He's fast and furiousing. Yeah, yeah really, know. yeah. I don't He's know if like, I would do, like I don't know if I would have stopped the first time. Much less reverse. Is he gonna like Tokyo drift his way out of this? Yeah. Or like I, he just, yeah. he's getting closer and closer to these motherfuckers. Yeah. Gabriel was nearly beside himself as he watched the beings begin to move forward again. But the undaunted Elaine opened his car door, put one foot on the dirt road, and leaned out of the vehicle. He then turned toward the encroaching creatures and shouted the same question three times in succession. Are you good? Or are you bad? Oh, God. Man. Fundamentals. That's just, that's what you want to know at this point. You don't need to know anything like where uh, do you come from? What's your agenda? Are you good? What do you or want? Or are you bad? Are you good or oh are you bad? Oh, my God. Okay. Was Peyton there? Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, seriously. Was, is he seven? Is this your niece? Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a spiritual animal. Are you good or are you bad? Are you good or are you bad? <laughs> One more time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seemingly recognizing Elaine's query as language, the being nearest to the vehicle turned toward the other two creatures and began to communicate with its cohorts in the same series of radiostatic bursts and modulated whistles that the foursome had heard earlier. Following their brief conference, the entities resumed their pursuit at an even faster clip. See, now you fucked up because you asked them the question three times, are you good or are you bad, which you don't do to aliens or anything paranormal or cryptozoological. <laughs> and never try to communicate. Yeah, don't, because then they talk, you can't understand them, and then they're like, yeah, fuck this, we're, 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 it's on now. Now we're, we're going to get you quicker. Well, yeah, I we're mean, clearly bad. Are they? I mean, are they <laughs> out there like collecting for a intergalactic zoo? Doesn't matter. Are they just looking for samples? Are they more excited now that they They're these like, creatures oh, have it communication? Talks. Yeah. Oh, look at this. Maybe the there's a piece talks. of information they need to really give. That's true too. Yeah. Everyone, I was always so afraid, and we never get it. It's true. The well, alien agenda. <laughs> Elaine might be the hero you've been looking for, Chris. Okay. Gabriel demanded that his friend get back in and continue driving. Elaine complied, but this time he only managed to get about 160 feet or so before he felt compelled to stop a second time. Dude, you gotta just get out of there, dude. He's not gonna do it. All right. That is not Elaine's agenda. All right. 
Elaine checked the rearview mirror. The ostensibly alien entities were no longer behind them. He paused, made a fateful decision, and pulled the R8 into a small turnabout and started driving back up the oh, motherfucking mountain. Dude, you man. got it as bail, dude. Not, not him. No. I mean, a man amongst men. <laughs> but still. Fuck. Damn, Elaine. Elaine would later admit that it was not just curiosity that motivated him to turn around and make the potentially catastrophic move of confronting this titanic trio from another world, but a sense of his obligation as a member of the human race to reach out and make contact with these extraterrestrial life forms. It's a stretch, but all right. Despite the danger, it seems he was determined not to waste this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Not not, not to say that that wasn't his intention, but... We've heard this before with the guy that was kicking the cans. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the Long Prairie he doing, Tin Man. He was in it for America. Yeah. He was going to push a rocket right. over to defend America. Not Elaine this. is actually trying and I'm not, to I, communicate. I want to make it known I'm not disparaging Elaine because clearly he is just, he, he is, he has pedaled the metal. He's doing it. But. You know who's not happy about this? Me. Gabriel. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah I was going to say, like. Uh, yeah, if, if this is a situation with the three of us. He's already shitting bricks. Yeah. And fucking, and so you got to imagine, like, if if I was in a car with this motherfucker, I would be losing my fuck-sucking mind yeah. at this point. Yeah. This is just ridiculous. And, and, and it's bad enough that fucking Elaine wants to be suicidal about it, but you're going to fucking you're gonna bring you're gonna Gabriel, take poor Gabriel you? down with you? Gabriel wanted to get in the car and bail on Elaine. Gabriel, in full-fledged panic mode, begged his comrade to turn the car around. Crazed with fear, he punched and pulled at the driver, but Elaine, proving to be among the absolute worst friend in human history, (laughs) ignored his pleas, rolled up his window, turned his headlights on high, and continued up the desolate, bracken-lined lane. In what must have been one of the longest and most anxiety-inducing rides in history, especially from Gabriel's point of view, the pair watchfully made their way back up to the plateau, but there were no longer any traces of their unusual pursuers save for the whitish glow that still eerily capped the top of Le Maman. That's my French. In a decidedly delicious twist of irony, Elaine, who had driven the struggling Gabriel back up this nightmare mountain against his will, suddenly began to feel an acute sense of dread seep into his consciousness. He started to imagine the three alien giants lying in wait for them just beyond his field of vision, waiting to pounce and steal them from their car for purposes too nefarious to imagine. Oh, no. To Gabriel's eternal relief, Elaine cautiously turned the R8 around, and at twice the speed they ascended, he barreled down the bumpy road, leaving the light and burly beings in their wake. So, they didn't his attempt to recommunicate for all his courage, even though super douchey. I got to say, if I was with uh, fucking somebody, I don't know how close Elaine and Gabriel are. I might have to punch them the fuck out. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave my friend behind. I wouldn't throw them out of the car. I wouldn't try to fucking do any permanent damage. I would hope that the hit to the head wouldn't cause any, you know, neurological shit that would like fucking enfeeble them. Brain bleeding. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I would yeah. totally have to give like a cross section to the jaw. And get behind the wheel to get the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah. Yeah. Because, something. I mean, pure panic yeah. knows no boundary. Terror ensues, yeah. But then there's another part of me that is the fucking, you know, the cryptozoologist that is the the wanting to know that it's like, 
these things haven't done anything forthright. Well, right. That's right. They were moving at a fast clip. All right, they're moving at a fast clip. But maybe they but just wanted to get moving. even closer. Yeah. Maybe, maybe like fucking uh, Johnny Siyama, they needed to fucking get their super bong lips against his temple to communicate their fucking message mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Who knows what robots have to do? Robots have different fucking skill sets, maybe. Okay. But I can see it from both point of views, but my empathy really goes towards Gabriel, who must have been like, I, I would be yeah. done with him at this point. I would never talk to that fucker again. Yeah, yeah. I know he brought everyone up, but all he thought, hey, it's a light on a hill. I got my buddies. We're going to have a good time. He wasn't fucking signing up for this shit. No. It's fucking nuts. You got to bail, dude. All right. At this point, we're going to fucking rewind the scene. Okay. Now, let's pull a Tarantino and rewind to just 10 minutes prior when Georges and Christian piled into the Fiat 128, leaving their friends behind to fend for themselves. So yeah. We're going to follow this route. All right. At just about the same time that Gabriel and Elaine were bathed in the blinding white light, Georges and Christian, who were just over 300 feet away flying down the hill in the Fiat, saw something they would never forget. On the narrow dirt path, less than six feet in front of them, the terrified twosome saw a pair of red glowing legs emerge from the dense thickets of Homo and cross the road in just two strides in front of the car. Georgia slammed on the brakes and cranked the wheel to the left in order to avoid a collision with the seemingly self-propelled slacks. There's just red like... pants, man. Oh my, yeah, well. Glowing red pants that are just booking across the road. It is fucking on. Okay, all right. This is where it gets <laughs> interesting. It's an unoriginal creepy pasta. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I saw the red pants. You know, dude, red pants. You ever heard of red pants? Dude, oh red my pants. god, could you imagine the curse of the red pants? You can't look in the mirror, dude. If you see red pants, you can't look in the mirror. Oh, it'll follow you it'll, home. It'll, it'll kill you in your sleep. It'll stomp you to death. Yeah. <laughs> fucking pants. It'll permanent press you. <laughs> Before the startled eyewitnesses could even react to the unbelievable sight of glowing red pants sprinting of their own accord, they were alarmed by the fact that both the Fiat's dashboard and headlights went out simultaneously, leaving them completely in the dark. A moment later, the stunned friends jumped when the electrical systems suddenly reignited. So, fucking weird bulky alien thing with a fucking glowing red belt buckle, UFO on the hill, shooting down a bumpy-ass hilly dirt road down a 2,000 foot granite peak six foot ahead of you red red slacks boom you fucking jam on the brakes turn to the side and all of a sudden doom, everything goes out oh god that's a fucking recipe for yeah. fucking lifetime of therapy yeah yeah. that is fucking horrible you're never wearing red pants again George's wasted no time in adjusting the wheel and accelerating away from the scene Christian, much like his buddy Gabriel, was too upset to cope with this increasingly bizarre series of situations. And as soon as Georges resumed driving, he slumped down beneath the dashboard. Smart way to do it. He's fucking out. Gabriel's fucking out. Yeah. To just go. Oh, no. Gabriel's already. No, Gabriel's with Elaine. My bad. Right. Fucking George's uh, Christian. Christian. Sorry. Sorry. I'm going to give you a Gabriel's like, I'm going to fucking punch you to death if you don't right. turn this fucking car around Elaine. And this well, guy's going well, beneath well, the dashboard. fucking Christian's like, all right, bad enough we had to deal with a fucking alien, but red slacks. It's so done. weird. I'm slipping under. Red pants are so weird. All right. Once Georges got off the mountain, he pulled into a parking area off the main road some 500 feet away, praying that Elaine and Gabriel would be right behind them. When he saw no headlights coming down the rock-strewn path, his mind began racing with thoughts of all of the heinous shit that could be happening to his friends. Yeah, it's not good. No. 
Despite his guilt, fear got the best of Georges, and not only was he unable to muster the courage to go back up the hill, but he confessed that he waited only about ten seconds before he and the still-cowering Christian took off for Dragonyaw at speeds far in excess of the legal limit. Ten seconds is fuck-sucking nothing. Yeah, no, you're just like, go. <laughs> I gotta say, if I was in a car with somebody and I was waiting for fucking you and Chris to come down, right. I, I'd like to think I would go back up the hill to get you. But I'm waiting more than 10 seconds. Right. Yeah. I hope. I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, it also reminds me of the Travis Walton situation where he's all ballsy. He's he's the Elaine of that group. Yeah, he's the yeah, lumberjack yeah, yeah. Elaine. Yeah. And he's out there going, hey, what's with the UFO? He gets zapped into oblivion. They take like, off like bats out of hell. Yeah. But then they feel guilty. Some of them are scared. Others are like, fuck it, we got to go. They go back up and he's nowhere to be found. And of course, we all know that the terrible guilt that consumed them. Yeah. Um, and well, so especially thankfully, when, their buddy turned up some days later. Especially when they, they show back up because you got to face that guy and be like, sorry, dude. Yeah, but better. Bad. Like, as bad as that is, can you imagine if he had never shown back up? Oh, yeah. Just the. I mean, I, I remember watching this great documentary on that, and I'm not going to digress too much. It was on the Sci Fi Channel, of all things. Mm hmm. And I've never seen it again, but it was like a two hour breakdown and just half of the guys retelling it, you know, some 40 years later, however, how long it was, were literally breaking down into tears. Oh, wow. Really? To me, that's one of the most compelling cases ever. Right. Of course, as I say often, we're going to do that eventually. At some point, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a big one. It's one of the most famous ones, sort of like Flatwoods and others. Uh, but that'll come right now. We're still in France. All right. And, and we got uh, red pants. We got robots. We got Christian under the dash. Yeah. We got Georges uh, waiting all of 10 seconds for yeah. his friends to show up, and they did not. So he fucking just speeds out of there. All right. Just over half a mile down the road, Georges glanced outside the passenger side window and to his eternal horror, once again spied the self-illuminated red legs. It's in hot pursuit. Oh, no. Ugh. This time, they were speedily descending a steep, shrub-covered slope headed toward the passenger side of the vehicle. No, they're in, they are literally in hot pursuit. So, they're bad com enough. They're coming at you. I mean, they, they were when they were driving down the hill, it was like six or so feet ahead of them, just a couple of meters ahead of them. Right. Um, and they could clearly see no torso, no head, no arms. Right. I don't know if they could see no feet at that point. Pantalons. But at this point, they can see no feet. It's just... Pants. Uh, fucking red pants and it's just booking down this steep slope right at them it's i mean it's it's laughable it's absurd it's a little bit well, ridiculous yeah. yeah but still when you pile it on with all the other shit they've been dealing with it's fucking terrible par for the course dude <laughs> in dragon y'all and when in dragon y'all that's what you do <laughs> you fear the red pants not interested in having another car stopping close encounter with the mysterious legs Remember, it seemed to cut out the electricity last time, so who knows what could have happened that time. Right. Georges hit the gas and accelerated past the red pants before they reached the road. Mercifully, Christian missed this second encounter as he was still huddled below the dashboard. That's going to send him over the edge. Yeah, no, if he had seen the, <laughs> the, the booking yeah. down the hill pants, he's done. Yeah, he's, he's going to go to a special place. Yeah, I get it. I would too. With padded rooms. As if their journey hadn't already been harrowing enough, the fates would have one more shock in store for Georges and Christian, and this one would nearly cost them their lives. Dun, dun, dun. It's about to get real. Right. Georges was driving the Fiat at a more reasonable speed of about 40 miles per hour on a smooth, straight stretch of gravel-free road halfway between Melmont and Dragonyon when the inexplicable occurred. No, Jesus. The terrifying moment was described by noted ufologist Jean Chassins. 
I think I'm saying it right. I don't know. There's a dash in it. It's fine. In an account that was published in the February 1974 issue of the French UFO journal, Lumières dans la nuit, which I think we talked about in the Green Frog episode. I feel like we did. It's lights in the night is how it translates. This article uh, was titled Remarkable Encountered at Dragon Yaw. And his description of this next event is as follows. Suddenly... Totally independently of any active volition of the driver, the car was thrown off sideways at right angles to the road. And then, by itself as it were, again without any participation by the driver, the car once more came back onto the road, just as as though some enormous force had moved it and then brought it back to its original position. The red pants can use the force. So... It is the force. It is, yeah. An invisible whatever jams the car, Mm -hmm. yanks it at a complete right angle, so it's fucking now perpendicular, crossways across the lane. Right. They're terrified. Something moved them. They can't see it. Then all of a sudden, wham. Back. Right back. Okay. Fucking frightening. Weird. Still reeling from this frightening event, as I mentioned, frightening. (laughs) Georges resumed his course and parked on the outskirts of Dragonyal where he and Christian waited approximately 20 minutes until, to their immense relief, they finally saw Elaine's car coming up the road. Their reunion was brief and heartfelt, and the boys drove into town to tell their friends what they had experienced. Investigators would later conduct interviews with all of the principal witnesses and their friends who confirmed that when the four men returned from the mountain, their faces were deathly pale. The group convinced the anxious foursome to take their story to the local authorities. But before that happened, haunted by the events and once again proving that he is either the most courageous or foolhardy witness in the history of Close Encounters, (laughs) Elaine returned to the mountain alone less than an hour later in the hopes of reestablishing contact or at least procuring some evidence of their run-in with these aliens. Man, this guy is just in it to win it. Yeah, he really is. Like, alone. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can almost see, like, having, like, I think we've all had, like, kind of, not even false courage, but a little more courage if we're in a car with a buddy. Like, there was a time Chris and I were in a car, and we were confronted by malevolent paranormal deer. Yeah, they okay. were none of the above. Right, but they kind of freaked us out the way they were looking at us, and um, right. I, I was bolstered by Chris's presence. Yeah, there you go. Chris gives you strength. He does, and, and then we the fuck out. As well. Is that I like mean, a like a you lift me up type of situation? Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Josh Groban Josh came Groban. out. Yeah, he sang. You guys and, were there. Uh, yeah, we got we got Groban out of this nice. paranormal hell. All right, good. Um, but that that haven't been said. I would not have returned to said flock of deer. Right, herd of deer. I'm not sure. What deer are? A college of deer. A college of deer. There you go. A murder of deer. <laughs> oh my god! I just don't think it is though. Yeah. No, I don't no. think so either. Uh, <laughs> I, think and, I think it's and, a herder. And tell them because they they looked at us with I think clear malevolence. Well, you can't trust deer. You just you, you know can't. They, right. they want to gore you. But totally. we knew it was deer. We did know. If it was like a herd of. Unknowable. Red pants. Oh <laughs> my god! Not pants. moving like a fucking flock of red pants uh, migrating across a field. All I can think of is that old MTV video. Like uh, I can't think of the name, but it had like weird legs going everywhere. Oh, rocket! Rocket! Yeah, bam, 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 yeah bam. I can't. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that. only ten seconds. We gotta pay. Yeah. <laughs> what were you singing? I wasn't even close to it. <laughs> yeah, no, do you remember it? Yeah. It's often confused by by layman with the Beverly Hills. Oh, Axel But uh, but it is not yeah. really. They're weird. not interchangeable. They're 
unique and wonderful songs. They are. And I don't and know yeah, either no, of them, You really. know what? It's funny that you say that because the rocket pants mm-hmm. were the first thing I thought of, except glowing red. Right. Okay. Fucking weird. All right, weird. All right. Red pants, all right. So, Elaine, back up the mountain all alone. By the time Elaine returned to the mountain, the creatures were gone, as was the radiance at the peak. All that remained was a strange scent that reminded Elaine of burnt insulation tape varnish, which hung in the air. Now, that's so fucking specific. It's very yeah. specific, yeah. I, you almost have to wonder, like, uh, does, does does he varnish insulation it's specific, with tape? It's definitely specific to know. his job. Yeah, it must be. Because yeah. that's, I mean, I don't even understand. Like, I, well, first off, why would you burn it? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess insulation tape makes sense. I've never heard of it, but whatever. But insulation tape varnish? Yeah. So once you tape the insulation, you, you, you varnish it? Coat of var- I, I don't know how any of that works. Nor do I understand why he <laughs> made that You know, Right. Comparison. But he smelled something up there, so maybe, you know. But but burnt varnish and tape, I and guess. And we nasty. have plenty of different, uh, you know, accounts of alien, possibly alien interactions where people smell weird stuff. All, all the time. Yeah. A lot of times sulfur. Sulfur. Which a lot of people associate with demonic could be shit. The devil. Which may be where we're going, but it could be a lot of places. Okay. All right. Not long after Elaine arrived at the mountaintop, the dreg the Dragonyall police also arrived at the scene. They explored the path that led down from the summit and discovered what they described as several giant footprints. Oh, the police confirmed footprints. Okay. So they say. As well as large stones that had been crushed as if put under tremendous pressure. Perhaps the weight of a hulking robot? Oh. <laughs> okay. This, my friends, is the incident in Dragon Yol. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to unpack oh, here. Oh, so much. We did, we, uh, again, we drew the correlation between Cisco Grove. Um, Which is uncanny. Yeah. Gas masks and robots alone. Yeah. yeah. But no vapor. But nope. then again, they weren't close enough. Right. If, if Elaine had been treed instead of in a mm-hmm. car where he could escape, maybe the vapors would have come. Um. So, I mean, <laughs> I guess, you know, like we always do is uh, the, is our, is I guess is our modus operandi here is to, is to look at this a little bit skeptically and be like, okay, what could be mistaken or what could have happened or what could have incited this, which is kind of a huge vague, you know, chasm, <laughs> I guess that we're going to cross real quick because there, there's all right, a lot. All right. All right. <laughs> There's it's, a lot. It's a chasm. It's a chasm, chasm, whatever. Can we can we just do that? Chasm, right. fine. Yeah. Oh, Macabre. Yes. Listen, this is my ma- this is my chasm of, of Macabre. This story's yeah. pretty Macabre. <laughs> bro, With the chasm, really dude. Oh, you're gonna. This chasm yeah. was totes Macabre, bro. Totes. So there's a pretty big fucking gap here, which I'm trying to get to. All right. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Jeez. We got these fucking. Uh, we got robots. We got gas masks. We got red pants. All right. We got red pants, which I, really, which throws the monkey dick in the works, if you will. The, yeah, because you can't even be like, eh, maybe they misidentified something, but then all of a sudden there's a fucking pair of red pants running around being all fucking all right, so goofy. Skeptical well, first. I don't even know what. <sighs> full on hoax. Let's let's just okay, entertain this hoax. for a second. Yeah, I, I'm not hoax. saying I think this. In fact, I do not right. think this. I mean, um, again, it, it, any number of reasons could could have led to this being a hoax. Whether it was Gabriel just has so another group fantastic. of friends. They're a theater troupe. It's France. There are a lot of people are involved in creative endeavors, um, and they're like, he's like, all right, here's the deal. I'm going to round up other friends. Oh, no. I'm going to be the terrified fucking kid. I'm going to oh, be the Bill Paxton. No, Game no. over, man. Oh, and fucking, and so I'm going to lend credibility to the proceedings while you guys, with your fucking illuminated belt buckles and your cardboard fucking robot suits, right. lumber down a hill yeah. and terrify my friends 
thus creating a furor. That's an even bigger chasm that we have to, to cross. Oh, I don't think that's so. true at all. I'm just saying, <laughs> Jesus we, we're, we're digging deep for fucking I just skeptical want, I just want ideas. more reasons to use the word chasm. So. I, I love it. It sounds like a guy's name. What's up, chasm? Or chasm. <laughs> uh. Like a Coke dealer named chasm. Oh, he'd be the worst. <laughs> totally. The guy's a total douche. But he's got great ecstasy. Yeah, um, sure. So... All right, uh, hoax, yeah, possibly. Doesn't really seem like it's going to land. Doesn't explain the pants. It, it doesn't explain nope. the pants nope. or the, the giant footprints that were found. Um, you know, obviously we can, uh, I guess you should. Or never... the fucking, or the UFO and the big bright, I mean, yeah, I guess you could get Klieg lights or something on top of the right. fucking it's, mountain. It seems like it's but a that lot. seems pricey. And, and you, you got to get, get, get everybody generator involved. Yeah. And, you got to run it power. Just, it seems like a lot of work. For and for a case that really, I mean, it's well known and you know you have, for, yeah, amongst circles, UFO buffs, yeah. but it's not like a, a case that falls off, you know, right. everyone's tongue that is mildly interested in the paranormal. It just seems like with the four people involved, and plus that they had split up into two different groups, they both experienced something, you know, obviously out of this quote unquote out of this world. Um, plus, Gabriel's girlfriend also saw. Yeah, the she fucking, saw the, the glowing, the glowing the light, melon yeah. with the halo. It's yeah. a it's a Ooh. lot to fake. Oh, I agree. A lot. I um, don't think it is a hoax. No. I'm going to no, go no, on no, a limb no. here and just say, I think that whatever happened, regardless of its uh, origins, right. um, I don't think it was manufactured to pull the wool over no. a, gr- a group of guys that were just clearly fucking around, killing time at a local yeah, pool it hall doesn't or seem bar like or wherever the yeah. hell they were, and and you know just got corralled into saying... You know, let's let's fucking go. Let's right. let's hit this hill and, we and see what's up. We can't necessarily blame this on like alcohol or drugs, which sometimes occasionally we do. Um, but this is probably not that kind of case. <laughs> and they they seem young. Not to say young people don't have diabetes. No, man, and, and, they do. In yeah. France, well, di- diabetes is rampant. They could have been on awesome, a little so. bit of the dope. Yeah, but I mean, I mean they, 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 they that doesn't mean drinking. they hallucinated. They that dope. just means they. What they saw was yeah, slightly and be embellished like a group or whatever. Hallucination where everyone's in the same board with their hallucination. Oh no, I, ne- I fucking I, I put I put that happen. right out the gate. Group hallucination is a fucking lie. Mass hysteria no. is the go-to for the skeptic that really has nothing logical to refute. Right, a, a, a compelling yet fucking difficult to believe. Yeah, mass, uh, mass hysteria account. is kind of a tough one to pull off. So I'm yeah, gonna... but it's, it's not for religion. It's not. No, well, no, for, no, no religion, you're absolutely right. No, religion, for, I get Religious it. fervor is a, is a whole different thing. So when, right. like, in a remote convent in the 1500s, like the Devils of Ludan or whatever, right. when, you, yeah. know, m- you know, possession mania fucking spreads like wildfire, uh, and it might be combined with, you know, corrupted bread with fucking fungus that, you know, right. you know increases hallucinations and whatnot. Fine. That's a possibility. But four guys, modern yeah. era. I'm not. Yeah. It I'm sounds not like it that. sounds to me even when even when the, the, when the police find the footprints, it sounds to me like something was obviously up there. So, I mean, I guess it leaves us with the, with our classic, um, you know, the devil, the alien, the ghost, the robot. <laughs> It's like a whole Scooby Doo. The, the devil, the, the, alien, and the hence the fucking new wave Hardy Boys. Yeah, yeah exactly. It and still don't could forget, be government. Don't it could it be could it be. could be government. That's true, but don't forget the red pants. The red pants are that, so that out of left field. Which could be. I mean, I don't know. For some reason, I'm thinking like maybe like it's uh, something's actually attached to the red pants because it's but it's so dark they can't see it. Here's the thing about that though. Okay, I know what you're saying. Right. But they had it from two very distinct perspectives. One, very close up with headlights bearing directly down on it. Right. And they could see beyond. 
right. to the, you know, the thickets on either side of the road, the dirt road beyond. So unless it's got like fucking predator technology. And it's wearing pants. And it happens to be wearing pants. There's, there's just no way well, that that's you know, some sort of deceptive camouflage like 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 Ooh. wearing a full body black suit with like yeah i, I don't know led red pants even though i don't know well, what hawaiian was shorts in 73 yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah but they would have seen like if it, if it looked like uh, a silhouetted figure with red slacks they would have said that right and actually to me it sounds like that whatever it was that they saw they mistook for being pants but it was actually it might be maybe some piece of technology that's interesting. Or something. Yeah, that they, oh, absolutely. Because I really doubt it's a, like a pair of red Dockers. Is that a thing? The dockers come in red? I, I, why, why not? Okay, I mean, they could. Why but the I mean, okay. not? It's funny it's just, that you say okay, that. Okay, so it's not red Levi's. My first think. thought, too, was it was some sort of automaton. Something like a, yeah. like what we would have for a Mars rover, we would basically build a, a little tank that's a science lab. Right, and they had, solar this, they had this like weird little walkie but, thing. Exactly. Who knows what... You know, uh, yeah. an extraterrestrial civilization, presumably extraterrestrial, right. might be ultra-terrestrial, might be interdimensional, might be fuck all knows. Hell or space. But, but indeed, they might have thought the best way to maneuver, especially on, you know, steep hills. Yeah. Are two things that move basically bipedally. Exactly. No. So, and, well, so you, I, I think you might be right. That, I don't necessarily think it's glowing ghost pants. Yeah. I want no. to think it's that. I mean, that would be cool. <laughs> I don't know if I do. You don't want you don't want to go, go no because that means it's, if if it's real if it's real, I don't want to go, go. okay I don't what want to just look was... outside and see walking ghost pants I'm like, yeah that's kind of weird I guess they're they're right here now. nobody needs that <laughs> yeah I guess I guess, <laughs> I guess the time has come the prophecy is nigh I'm dealing with this now but how fucking awesome and fucked up would it be if it was completely unrelated just like yeah, a very <laughs> different paranormal phenomenon yeah, like there's there's an extraterrestrial close encounter happening and at the same moment right fucking Johnny Red's ghost yeah. pants but yeah. very well could across the very well could be it could. You're right. yeah. The pants I mean, could be from the glowy thing, and the other thing is the government. We uh, do that a lot. Like no, we, no. You see, a, you see a, a thing, and then you see these things after, and they could be. No, you said the government a couple times. I always. Well, no, I know, I know. But what? How <laughs> do you mean, Chris Jones? That the, over here. That the two know. robotic, no nine idea. foot tall, uh, no idea entities, and the one six foot guy okay, with well, the gas mask in the fucking. Mobile veil. I'll yeah. take the, how, how is that like the French government? The, yeah, of course. Yeah, the American any government. How is that a sure. government? Thing? Well, we talked about the French government with our little French frogmen. That sounds possibly. condescending somehow. Why are you dissing on the frogmen? <laughs> yeah. Because they were they were little tiny French frogmen with little cool little helmets. That's true. Could have been a slave <laughs> army. Could have been oh something left All over. Right. Entertain this. Uh-oh. What if the frogmen? had larger suits sort of like um hulkbuster armor for iron oh, man oh, and, and that, yeah. that that see? fucking the the gentleman that saw the frogmen just saw them with their squarish helmets right could be but once they plug their bodies into the full the bulky yeah mega yeah. Mac, there you Max. Go. i was thinking Mac, actually well i was thinking mech i'm like not like a full-on like gundam size mech or something like that but maybe something like a little bit smaller a key difference know? though is the little green frogmen had squarish helmets with round eyes. It's true. While the, the dragon <laughs> right. yaw, yeah. besides being nine foot tall right. and, and whatever, had rectangular apertures. I mean, one yeah. of my favorite well, go-tos... Armor 2.0. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It could, it could have been an upgrade. <laughs> one of my favorite go-tos is the misinterpreted military maneuver. This is Again, somehow... Again, explain how I, this is a, a three-person, yeah. bizarrely dressed... Dude, 
illuminated mountaintop. Who knows? Like, what? No, but, no, but you say that, and I, I, I literally demand you give some semblance of an explanation. I'm saying, what if there is some form of the French government, much like our own, with a big giant blackout budget, and they just happen to be working on tech at the what was this the 70s? This happened, right? 73. So they just happen to be working on some tech at the time, and they're just out there again doing military maneuvers, and they, so wait, like everything like, gets misinterpreted. Protective radiation suits. While Who knows, dude? Who knows? It's the, dude. It's the French government, dude. It's the seventies, man. Much like the U.S., you can't trust the government that you are currently living under. I listen. <laughs> you can't. I'm not taking umbrage with that philosophically. What I'm saying is, just saying it could be the government and just laying it, letting it lay there. Well, yeah, it's just fucking idiotic. Well, no, I said misinterpreted military maneuver, insinuating this has to do with the French military. Just putting it out there. Not saying that I'm I'm trying not trying to dash your hopes and dreams of a world full of red pants. Yeah. I don't want to do that. You I'm could here to be never your friend. Do that. I'm here to be your friend. I'm just I just need confident. I just I need a little more substance from the both of you about how this in uh, any way helps a government. Because- and what they could maybe be doing. Maybe it doesn't help. Maybe what the maybe agenda is. Well, no, I don't think that they're they're specifically targeting. Why they're wearing nine foot tall armor? I don't think that they're specifically targeting the kids. I'm saying that maybe it's one of those coincidences where the military is doing some maneuvers, and then all of a sudden the kids happen to come across, and they're like, "Oh shit, the fuck is this? You got red pants." People are in cars. <laughs> yeah. Shit gets crazy. Yeah. All right. Next thing you know, I mean, red there pants is, is yeah. just as you can't really throw an explanation out there for red pants no, you either. Can't. There's the same amount of evidence. Oh, yeah, no, it's the government. I mean, clearly, I'm on board now. <laughs> yeah. Well, the government is just as valid as saying it's a ghost. Yeah, it or a demon or the aliens. Exactly the same thing. I don't thing. know if it's just as valid. It is. It's the same evidence. No, just well, to say no, none. You know, the reason it's not is because... You know, let me explain to you why it's not. The reason it's not is that we have context for what a government does. The kind of uniforms and uh, armor, military armor, the kind of... The kind of um, that you know of. they do. You're right. I'm not saying that we know of everything they do, but none of this seems to like fit into a context of any known no, I mean, military maneuver well, yeah. that has ever been, you know, right. Sure. Right. Which, right. Which is to say that's Which is why I non-evidence. Say it makes it a little <laughs> less likely than something inexplicable because everything oh no. I feel like Come that's on. the opposite no, of I, I evidence. No, I disagree because random red, <laughs> no, you're wrong. No, random red pants. I'm absolutely right. Moving around the street. <laughs> that, that lends itself not towards clandestine government operations, but something inexplicable. Well, nobody said that either. Yeah. I did, listen, I didn't say they both didn't have validity. I just said that that is less valid because at least we have a context for what Earth militaries do. Right. We have no context for what they you know or of. interdimensionals do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What, what, Nobody what, knows unless they're in that, but we know militaries exist. Right. We know they do clandestine things. But then you, might Nobody, as, you might as well say it's fucking what happens when coral grows up. They fucking walk around the French countryside. I mean, you could say anything because coral is real. Well, ergo, that, it could happen. That's what we do. Coral we from, say coral anything. Like the Walking much. Dead? No, coral like from <laughs> yeah. the fucking Barrier Reef. <laughs> coral. Ah, coral. You, know, you didn't get coral. it. Never mind. Never mind. I was trying to break up. I was trying to break it in with a little joke, trying to bring the tension down here. Mr. Anti-Government, Antifa. I'm just saying. Antifa Rob Morphy. Can we be done with these fucking? It's, it's, yes. you're, you're non-based on anything government we, we explanation. We always put it out there just because. I think we even put it out there with Cisco Grove. Fair enough. I think that we did. We okay. put everything out there. That's no. There's no evidence. Yeah, for we it. always we, we always put non-evidence things out there. Look, dude, I'm going towards alien. At least you guys haven't said fucking blimp yet. Well, yeah. No, I, I well, I think it's a stork, really, but. 
A stork? Oh my god! <laughs> and you're just like the red panther. A stork? It's a red stork. We were together on the military maneuver. I, I went rogue. We <laughs> I just went rogue. You, yeah, you did. You went rogue. The stork with a baby. You can't see the baby. Oh though. no! Is it delivering a baby? Is yeah. that how babies are born? Oh no. Um, so I think, though, personally, coming from this, obviously, we, I, I'm not going to go down interdimensional or ultra-terrestrial because I think I do that a little bit too often, and there isn't really any... There's thing. no reason to or not to. I know, but we're just going to encapsulate that by saying alien. Well, in all fairness, no. this has a no. distinct UFO. Right. Comes from the sky, yeah. lands. Yeah. Right. yeah. Red light, belted, you and know, do nine have... foot tall ob- creature, whatever, right. comes from said light. Yeah, and we do have, of course, yeah. the, the Cisco Grove incident, which kind of ties into this too. It gives us a little bit of context for these groups of. And I've never heard anyone aliens. make that association before. Not to say like, oh my god, we just blew this case out of the oh, water. Oh no, we just did. But it's We're fucking the first. interesting. To yeah, this me. is it. Kryptonite podcast episode number seventy, whatever. Mark your calendars. That's right. <laughs> Editors, no, we just made this connection. No one else ever did. I do love though. I really do love. I mean, I know we've talked about ultra terrestrials ad infinitum and the idea that. Um, they're just here to fuck with They're our tricksters, minds and, yeah. and, and thrive on our fear or whatever the alternate theories are. But the idea of something interdimensional or not even necessarily interdimensional, that idea, especially uh, that Jacques Vély uh, espouses and, and Kiel and others, that we share our world with other parallel, intelligent species. Yeah. Not even necessarily oh, really? living in parallel worlds, but like, or maybe they do kind of live in like folded areas, like sort of, I don't know, even folded areas is a weird way to put it, but like no, I, I a place that's sort though, of yeah. like invisible until you catch it at the right angle. Right, right, right. Uh, kind of like what we thought maybe Varenish and or the, um, are you waving to somebody behind me that's not there? I got nervous for a second. I'm like, yeah, I got doing? nervous too, because like, there's nothing over there, Rob. It's a fucking wall. I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt. You waved I was at tr- the wall and I thought I was, it was a ghost. I was just trying we, to. We all did. Did you get scared? Go back we up? all did. I got scared. I have to shit now. <laughs> no, no, I seriously do. But no, I'll hold it. About uh, up a That's Jesus, all I, was doing. I thought you were waving to someone, and I really, for a second, I'm like, who the fuck is behind? It's fucking... There's a skull. I know. Yeah. I, I was like, maybe south of the window, you're waving at the deer. Yeah, I don't know. Having a good time. I really got scared. Jesus. We're in depth oh. conversation about pants and aliens and shit, and you're waving to things that aren't fucking yeah, there, man. I'm, Get your I'm, shit together. You're a so shill for the paranormal, God waving at them. Damn it. Clearly, I am. Paranormal that. shill. Fuck. All right, back on, back, I, on, back on track. If, if, I love the thing. idea that we do. I, I don't just love it. I'm I, really, sorry, I, I find it compelling that we share this world with other intelligent uh, creatures. Not necessarily other branches of the human race either. Right, I mean, obviously right. we know that we used to share the earth with many other, you know, proto-humans. Before you know, we killed them all, yeah. Yeah, the hobbits, Neanderthal, yeah. on and on. And there's probably going to be more and more discoveries that we both bred with and basically murdered right. the rest yeah. of our, our, you know, cousins. Well, that's what we do. But I don't think it's necessarily that. I mean, there's really good cases to be made. We want to dismiss the fantasy stuff very easily, like fairies and elves and goblins and whatnot. But I think there are really compelling cases to be made, especially in the pre-UFO days, for interactions with these creatures, which are very much like extraterrestrial interactions nowadays. Right occurring not necessarily with a great deal of frequency but enough so that there's a real pattern established with the, with with our species and theirs and that we occupy the same basic uh if not geographic temporal space but we but we can actually we can ultimately encompass that with the entire alien thing not being necessarily from another planet but alien in the sense of the alien to our, our world 
Absolutely. So, but, oh, well, alien, and yeah, that's alien is yeah. just like an alien yeah. big cat. Like yeah. Yeah. a giant fucking cougar but I was is not supposed too, to be in Britain. I was thinking too with like um, uh, Varenish, right. um, Cisco Grove, yeah. and uh, Casablanca. Yeah. There's a couple of instances that come to mind where it's like, okay, maybe these could be things, maybe like you said, folding or whatever, crossing over uh, interdimensionally or, or whatever you want to call it speaking. I think this one possibly could fall into that category, but there is the, the sort of a UFO thing, but not really. Well, I mean, it is a UFO. It, it is. I mean, it's not identified to fly. Even though, I, yeah, weird size of a melon or whatever because of distance. Um, so, I mean, I guess I'm going to take the, mm. the, the, the tact that something was in fact there. This did, in fact, happen. But I do think that the red pants are just, uh, it's not an actual pair of, like, red Levi's. I, I agree with that. I think <laughs> yeah. there's more going on there. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think no. that's spectral. I no. don't think, I, I do believe, though it might be just me wanting to make a pattern, that it is related to the greater scheme of what's happening. Well, I think we have to kind of say that it's related. It really well, does seem to be we don't have to, but in I mean, I know, pursuit but, yeah. of, or at least observing, Yeah. Uh, Georges and Christian because it's there the first time it right. interrupts their journey the yeah. car the car's electronics die which is something very common in yeah. uh, UFO interactions with you know vehicles like right. the, the power goes out the engines die yeah um, and you know they're lucky it started back up but then it comes back maybe it was maybe it was not able to finish the job maybe it was an attempted abduction and there's every reason to assume it was right. um, as much as I I I mean. I'm not going to get deep into the theories, but, but I really am much more inclined. Not that I think Carl Sagan was necessarily right. I think it's very arrogant for human beings to say, just because we don't have the technology to traverse you know, the stars mm. that no other species do, I think absolutely other species do. I mean, look at what we've achieved in the last fucking century, if you can imagine what we would do with another million years of evolution. Space but X. I do tend to think a lot of these things maybe are from here, but regardless, they are fundamentally alien to our species. Okay. And I really think um, Elaine was taking his and Gabriel's life in their f or in his fucking hands when he kept going back up the mountain and I think uh it's a pile of fucking aliens mostly robots that were there for whatever purpose but probably to grab some peeps hmm. and that they got really fucking lucky. Yeah, I think I'm uh, I'm all going to go along mm. the same lines as you here. Alien. Um yeah, I mean, I think that there's, you know, between what the police officers found, what the two separate groups of people experienced, I think there's definitely something up there, uh, clearly not of this world. And I'm sure there were other <laughs> other people that probably saw the lights. Right. I mean, uh, all I have is Gordon Creighton, the great, you know, right. Gordon Creighton who translated from the, you know, nights, lights in the night or whatever. Mm -hmm. yep. He translated it for Flying Saucer Review, as he so often does, and, and this, there's a great cachet of that uh, on the internet. And, uh, and so, you know, you find these articles and you do as much corroborating research as you can fucking you know, half a century later, but uh. <laughs> unfortunately, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Right. I wish there was a couple of pictures, at least of the footprint. There are a lot of really good illustrations. I actually sent some of them uh, to Mark uh, of the actual, you know, of the robots and, and, and whatnot based on the eyewitness descriptions, but you're right. Genuine photographs of the scene, yeah, you yeah, know, and, yeah. And, and of the alleged evidence would really come in handy. I'm going to say something definitely happened, um, and I'm going to go with the alien angle, whether it be out of this world and or of this world, but of a different dimension. You think robots or think organics, we, uh, or combination? Not really enough evidence that, there for anything. No, but it seems it could be a combo. I really feel like the pants are some sort of tech. The pants. Are I don't think tech. they're. I the feel pants like they're, have to be tech. Yeah, yeah, I don't feel like it's a 
But the nine foot I'm tall just saying square that heads, right. that could really, that, I mean, as much as I've been calling them robots nonstop and they were moving jerky, well, if you looked at a fucking astronaut, uh, you know, an Apollo astronaut on the moon, they're not exactly fucking <clears throat> Barishnikov. Yeah. Um, good sir, alleged moon? Oh, thank you. Oh, now we're back you, to alleged moon. Yeah, we, we've never left a alleged moon. No, no, you were the alleged you were, Apollo. You were a moonist alleged. a couple it's times not, ago. I mean, you can't deny the Apollo program took place. So, Chris, um, <laughs> I, with with your take on it being possibly uh, government involvement, are oh. you still feeling that way? Or are you going to go the way of the alien? I didn't say I believed it. I just kind of threw that out there. Okay. No, I I, I did too. You know, I was, a was not asserting that. Okay. But it, no, it does feel, I mean, it does feel alien-y and okay. there's some tech and there's some bots, possible bots. Pants. And possible, the UFO. Uh, yeah, I mean, in all, in all fairness, it has all the earmarks. We kind of said no, this with no, uh, Flatwoods too. It does. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's something it comes from the sky. It's a non-human entity that might be semi-robotic in that right. case and in this case. It might be organic mm-hmm. and uh, and people are, are terrified by it. I mean, it really does. It just, it has all of the hallmarks of... Uh, a human alien close encounter of the third kind. All right, cool. Well, there you have it. Be sure to hit us up and let us know what your theories on this are. Send us any more information that you may have on this. Um, social medias, hit us up there. Uh, stick around. We got some ratings and reviews for the podcast. You can leave those at the iTunes Apple Podcast apps. Um, we have pins for sale, Robert. We and sure Christopher. do. They are for sale currently at kryptonotpodcast.bigcartel.com. Uh, the link will be in the description of this podcast. Uh, T Public, go grab some T-shirts. A lot of orders this month. A lot of orders. Dang. We appreciate oh all the support. Oh, my God, we do. Especially the orders. It's really cool. Oh, maybe maybe we got a new uh, shirt in the works, the old uh, Red Slacks Brigade. Oh, uh, oh my God, just, just a pair, a pair of red, red pants. pants. Yeah, there you, you know, go. Do, do, it like, do it like one of those old, uh, not terrorists, but like fucking like youth protest group organizations from nice. that era. Nice. With the running red slacks red, as their emblem. Slacks. Really? Just what the hell am I? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> the fuck am I? I? Uh, so yeah, all the links for that will all be in the uh, description of this podcast. Check it out there. Um... That's it, and we'll be talking to you soon. Bye. Big old fucking robots. Big old robots. In France. Red pants. Space pants. Dragon Wii. Oh, yeah. Space pants. Hell or space pants. Evil mountains, dragons, space pants. I mean, really, if you think about it, this is the site that something would happen. Oh, God, yeah. It's fucking called, yeah, it's called Evil, Evil Mountain. Mountain. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, who the fuck? Why? Why is it called yeah, that? I think the Japanese named it. Is there a band <laughs> named Evil Mountain? There should be. There is now, There is bitch. now, yeah. Oh, sorry. Name them all. I, just, <laughs> no. I was excited. Can that be our new grind band that never Evil, happens? Evil Mountain, yeah. What confuses right, cool. me is why this <laughs> yeah. case is named a after grind the band. nearby yeah. city of Dragonyol. Yeah, I mean, granted, they had a big dragon battle there, and fucking yeah, Saint Herm- evil Hermitain dragon, or evil whatever his name is, fucking, that's his name, whatever the fuck. Yeah, is. no, that was it. You he know, was a saint for Christ. All sakes. of that is good and well, but why isn't it fucking the, the evil mountain entities? Why, right. why, why are they not that, specifically yeah. associated? Dragon Yon with Le Mans. I mean, that's a fun word to say. Don't get me wrong. Totally. And my friend for that alone, I'm happy about it. Yeah, totally. we'll be talking to you soon. Bye. <laughs> Fucking yeah, yeah, right. Escape on. from Evil Mountain. Oh, red robots galore. See it. All right.
cool thing for sticking around for the ratings and reviews. Getting started here from the iTunes and Apple Podcast apps. Seriously, guys, with the language, five stars, Jason or Pease. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. Love the show, but the cursing, dot, dot, dot. There isn't enough of it. Oh, it's oh, a dupe. Oh, the we got dupe sh- topics on. are great. Rob and Chris are great. Mark, well, he's okay, I guess. Oh, that's hurtful. Oh. But in all seriousness, this show is absolutely amazing week after week. I got into it later on episode 30 or so, but went back to binge every episode. Keep on keeping on and continue the Lord's work. Oh, and by the way, Flatwoods Monster equals Space Owl. Oh, God. Well, that's, that's true. Right. Fair enough. I agree with the Space Owl. Thank you for the sweet profanity dupe. But Mark is also great. Well, Mark, let, let us be clear Mark's about that. Mark's got something coming up, and this is oh. you continue. We're gonna get okay. to this. This is pretty good. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna travel now to the land of Facebook. Oh, my favorite. Nah. This is Ash T. Ash T. All right, what, what up, Ash T? Such a truly delightful podcast to listen to. I've been a huge fan of cryptids, UFOs, creepy things, and ghosts since I was eight years old. I somehow found a book about cryptids in my elementary school library. As did I, for the Sweet. record, and it also talked about the <laughs> yeah. hollow earth, which I love. So, Ash, I'm with you completely. Was the alleged moon mentioned in this book? God damn you. All right, I'm not going to talk about that. Moon is and fake. I have been in love ever since. This podcast has rekindled my obsession with the weird and unexplained. Awesome. awesome. It's cool. Sweet. Well, thank you. I normally listen while doing makeup in the morning, on my, on my commute to work, and on my lunch breaks. It's safe to say I adore these men and their work greatly. Please keep up the podcast because I truly value the laughs and research I have every day. Hopefully, I'll get to meet all of you one day. Well, that's well, awesome. Shit. Thank you, Ash. Well, here we are. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, Ash. I mean, we live shit. in a small world. I mean... Yeah, just bring cookies because if you don't, then... Yeah, oh yeah, no. The, the meeting will not go well. <laughs> that's I, mean, I mean, Mark and I are going to be cool, but you you lost Chris the I, moment you don't. I'm have happy yeah. just to say hello and thank you for your support. We 100. percent No, there's a sword oh, by my door in case you don't bring cookies. Oh, oh boy! Wow. Hey Ash, thank you so much. That thank was awesome, you. and the fact that we helped rekindle. Yeah, that's oh, great. The love rekindling. Totally. I've always wanted to rekindle something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. same here. Normally, I just unkindle shit. I just yeah, put no, it out. Yeah, no, I'm an yeah, extinguisher. The unkindling. Oh, you know how I used to like men. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Ready to trust people? Thanks, Mark. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, All right. Uh, here we go. New favorite show. Five stars from Sandor Idiot. Seriously love this show. It appeals uh, to both us cryptid nerds and non-believers. Mark is by far leaps and bounds the star of the show. Hands down. In fact, when I talk about the show with my friends, I refer to it as the Mark Show. Keep up the awesome work. <laughs> <laughs> The Mark oh, Show. The <laughs> of the Mariana's Trench to the heights Dude, of Everest. When I read the this review, Mark I'm like, show. I'm like, they are not going to believe this. Oh, this my God. That, so when did you write that? <laughs> that exactly. Yeah. You guys exactly. got to hear the Mark Show. Dude, I fucking read that. I'm oh. like, oh, my God, I am not. First of all, thank you, obviously, for the review. We, we, we appreciate it. Oh, my God. I mean, Christ, if this is just me, you know how terrible that would be? Not at all. God, it would just be me talking about the moon's somebody not really, real. Somebody really That's all likes you. Talking about. Obviously, like, the moon's not Chris real. Chris and I are big fans of you, too. Yeah. Well. Duh. I would not. You're the heart and soul. I would not. This show would not exist, and I would not be me without you, too. So thank you very much. So, well, well, we sure go. wouldn't be doing a podcast. No. That's true. We eat fucking donuts and watch Japanese shit. <laughs> That's all shit. we would like, be doing nonstop. <laughs> See, I'm Communicating bringing, with just each other. Thank you very much for the review. That The Mark show is kind of funny. It's fucking hilarious. 
<laughs> the <Mars> <laughs> show. <laughs> oh man. Oh shit. All right, the next review that. comes from Jeanette. All right, let me try this last name. Pamelaon. Pamelaon. I think I got it right. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Just found out about this podcast from a mention in STM. Fucking awesome. Awesome. Thank you. I think I'm hooked. Lighthearted, funny, yet thought-provoking. Already listened to five episodes. Thoroughly enjoyed them. Great job. All right. Well, cool. Thank Sweet. you. Sweet. Thank you. Uh, moving on here. Ostensibly, my favorite podcast. Five stars from Viz Germlich. Oh, I like that it's ostensibly like apparently. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you look at it from a distance, totally. This might well be my favorite podcast. They go on to say here they had me at Quadrasquatch, endless entertainment with no fewer than one episode per week. I can't stop binging. Hashtag. Space is two miles up. Hashtag baby teeth jalopy. Hashtag <laughs> burnt sausage and ether. Oh, <laughs> I like oh fucking God. awesome. The space is two miles <laughs> up is a perfect pull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At one point, for those of you that might not have heard that episode or that might have missed it, we were trying to determine how many miles up from Earth space was. I think I said three or something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, we were going oh anywhere God. from like 150 yeah. feet to 375. Yeah. I'm like, no, man. Space is like not even. Well, hashtag Space yeah, is just a couple America. miles. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you can fly a kite into space. That's yeah, easy. Yeah. yeah, totally easy peasy. You can totally do it. All right, Rob. What do we right. got? The last review I have uh, is from Jay Rice, and this is just three hours old. Oh wow! Fresh wow. off the Fresh. virtual presses. Oh, nice. There's humor and randomness and much more. I've been listening to them for a while and look forward to their podcast episodes to be released. I've been doing podcasts for a bit now, but I'm nowhere near close to being as successful as these three bros. 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 If you're ever on CastBox, check out this podcast, Mr. Creepy's Neighborhood. And if you're on Podbean, check out this podcast, The Mr. Creepy G- Gentleman Show. Okay. Ooh. Thanks for mentioning my podcast, LOL. Nice way to sneak in, in your there. Uh, Respect. Well, well done. Respect. But if I could give a star rating on here, I would break the rating scale completely. Also, hashtag that fucking tomato. Okay, <laughs> cool. I'm I trying like it. this is it. I'm trying to make that trend. LOL. I got it on my podcast pages on here, but yeah, LOL. Sorry to ramble, and I can't wait for your next episode. Well, thank you, Mr. Thanks. Rice. Yeah, thank you. And, and those podcasts, check them out. I said CastBox or whatever. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mr. Creepy's Neighborhood and the uh, Creepy Gentleman Show. Yeah, dude, I'll definitely check yeah, it out. Totally. All right, Good last, shit. Thanks last, for liking us. Last, re- last review here from iTunes, just like old friends. Five stars from Tara and Paul. Uh, listening to Kryptonite is great fun. Just like sitting and catching up with old mates uh, with a drink or 10. Funny, thorough, informative, and very well read. Listening from Western Australia, so technically from the future, Paul B. Nice. It is the future. future. We just fucking did a Western Australia one. The the goblin there. Oh, I'm not gonna oh yeah, yeah. The, the Mandura or something goblin. Oh, yeah, it was in right. our fucking our, our, our double, double bag mystery double Monday. Feature, oh, the goblin. Two-fisted. Yeah, two-fisted. Mother-approved. Yeah, yeah Monday. just hanging out on a, on a beach. What? I just try. I don't even. I never. I'll never remember. Okay. I'll never ever fucking remember. But I do know this. 
There's goblins in Western two, Australia. You know what it is? And I just remembered the two-for-one mystery bag Monday. Two-for... Yes. Two-for-one. Not the twin testicle <laughs> double-barreled. Oh, yeah, what? <laughs> Thirteen <laughs> oh, fisted, barrel-aged... Oh, uh, I rock Z. There you go. Oh, I have pull just that out the shittiest memory. I don't know why. Well, you know what? That is uh, our ratings and reviews for the week. And thank you all. Thank you all. Excellent. Now, I mean, like I said, it helps us a ton, but it also really... It just makes us feel good. Yeah, it's, it it's, gets a, us it's a good little morale boost. We enjoy it, and obviously it helps us out with the charts and iTunes, and of course the Facebook recommendations are always cool, too. There's a ton of them there. So uh, keep those coming, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. You See you next time us. on The Mark Show. You rekindle us. <laughs> Goodbye. We won't. <laughs> I, I will try not to extinguish anybody. Mark. <laughs> the Mark Show. Mark. Mark. Mark all the time. 100% Mark. <laughs> oh, God. What a terrible world that would be. All right, we'll talk to you. Mark. See you.